0: Love Talk Radio I have an emergency. What is your location? Good morning. Welcome to the war. Yes, Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your call upon our lives, for choosing us, Lord God, for bringing forth the revelation of your love and truth into our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to know that we will not be rebellious, that you'll open our eyes, that you'll open our ears, that you'll open our hearts, Lord God. We don't want to be of the house of rebellion. And I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross to demonstrate obedience sacrifice, love, that you were with us, Lord, you're here, uh, emerged in the very pits that we were in, and are emerged in, that you came down to be one of us, to be, uh, rescue us from this evil intention of Satan, and I thank you, Lord, you, you performed and you completed the task, you uh, laid down your life, Jesus, you demonstrated your love and your goodness and the goodness of the Father in coming to rescue whosoever will. And so today I pray, Father God, that you would give us, Lord, an understanding of these scriptures, these, this uh, circumstance that we are in, and that we will understand and not be t- persuaded or deceived by the clever arguments of the evil one into thinking that you are not good, that you are depraved. Father, I pray for wisdom. You said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to men liberally and abradeth not. And I thank you for that wisdom and that direction by your Holy Spirit. And also the promise over this day that no weapon formed against us, no word said, no deed done, no action taken, will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach, that those words are covered with the blood of Jesus, the actions are covered with forgiveness, and you go forward, Lord God, with your will being done in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning.
1: Amen. Good morning. Well, here hey. we go. We're we're going into some... Uh, Deep very- water? Deep water here today.
0: Okay, let, let me ask the question. So are we predestined to, predestined to be saved or lost? How does being called uh, or saved work if God already knows everything? And so this is kind of a crazy can of worms. So uh, can you define predestination? Well, predestination,
1: it, you know, it really basically it means um, that everything is predetermined. You know, and, and it's like, in a sense, what it implies then that we really don't have a free will, that if everything is predetermined, then we're simply going through the motions here on Earth. We're, we're like uh, pre-programmed, completely controlled human robots confined mm-hmm. or, or, or stuck in the predetermined plan of a sovereign God. If we indeed believe
0: in yeah. a sovereign
1: God, a lot of people think. Uh, uh, you mentioned some within there's the idea that some people are predestined for salvation. Others are predestined for damnation. And and there are a lot of people, too, that in our day that uh, and I guess for years or at least for, through the centuries believe in something called fate. So that fate mm-hmm. is sort of like an impersonal power mm-hmm. that's supposed to determine events mm-hmm. or uh, before they occur. Uh, it's It means like a, a destiny. It's something inevitable.
0: Yeah, right. And you can't mm-hmm.
1: really change it. It's just what's going to happen. It's what's what's going to happen. A- mm-hmm. uh, it is what it is. Uh, but, it's your lot, your destiny, your final yeah, outcome. I know. It's determined by this impersonal uh, force, force mm-hmm. f- called fate. And so.
0: Yeah, and like in Star Wars, may the force be with you. So it's like. Okay, they're referring to some sort of being with power. But going back to this idea of fate for a second, in the Hebrew language, it's an insult to use the word coincidence. I don't even think they have a word for it because that goes along with fate, coincidence. There's nothing that's a coincidence. There's nothing that's fate. There's nothing like bad luck or accidents even because those things would be presumably operating out of the sovereignty of God's will And so, or, or, you know, independently they'd be operating or acting independently of God and so we're just going to rule out those possibilities right now there is no such there's no third option there's God and the devil and the war and God has a perfect will and his perfect will was paradise his perfect will was that there would be no sin that there would be no pain there would be no loss there'd be no death and that's what God was having happen and that was what was happening when Adam and Eve were obeying God and abiding with him. But then we have God gave Adam even a free will for a reason, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But because they have a free will, then they operate and make a choice, and now God is forced to operate in a in a uh, a permissive will because made a mess.
1: Well, really, excuse me. What we have to understand is that you know God is sovereign. We're talking about not some a god of your imagination. I, I, we're talking about the true living God, the God that's revealed through the scriptures. He is sovereign, but he is in no way evil or arbitrary.
0: Right. So the question, like you're saying, becomes: come. OK, what, we're talking about the character of God. When you talk about predestination, um, you're talking about the, is God good or is God depraved? And is he sovereign? He, he did create. Does he does his sovereignty uh, and is uh, be, being able to create? And determine also open him up to the scrutiny of his character, because if God knows everything ahead of time and he has power already ahead of time to guide or direct everything, then um, whatever happens supposedly would be his will, his perfect will, his and and then he would be responsible to prevent those things that are bad. However, God, uh, this presents a problem for him. Because in this dilemma where God wants us um, to choose willingly to respond to his love because he wants a personal reciprocal relationship, that's the kind of, he wants it to be something where there's our, our will is involved. We choose to love him. That's what he wants. He doesn't want robots, like you said. So that requires that we respond to either accept or reject him. So this becomes a problem because God is sovereign, he knows everything ahead of time. But he also has obligated or subjected himself to our willingness to accept or reject him. Um, so when we do that, if we're accepting God um, is uh, you know is, is that a, an agreeing with him that we're also agreeing ultimately with his goodness because God is good, and so then rejecting God if we reject God, then we're also ultimately rejecting everything that is good which means that we also then have elected most you know chosen uh, even though we were chosen by god we have chosen to reject his his invitation um which throws the ultimate question of goodness up in the air like who's who, who's he's good we know that if you know that then this isn't even a problem for you but if you don't know god is good the devil will make this a huge problem
1: well, backing up a little bit, when we say God is sovereign, that means he has, he has supreme status. I mean, he is God. He is always existed. He always will exist. He, he has the, uh, he's the only one that really has legitimate authority to rule and reign over all his creation because he made everything. So the creator is, is, is the ruler, um, it's interesting, you know, and he, he's a king with a kingdom.
0: But he didn't want to be a king with a kingdom all by himself.
1: Right. So it says in Psalm 103, 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all.
0: But he also has invited us to rule and reign with him, joint heirs well, with Jesus exactly, Christ, which exactly. was his ultimate and goal. What, what
1: you have, and, and we alluded to that earlier, that his sovereignty doesn't mean he's he's a big bad god throws his weight around in in our world we see people that are you know dictators rulers that throw their weight around they're oppressive uh, to the to the people to their subjects and and we tend to the, the enemy works in our minds to ascribe those kinds of things that we see in the world by ungodly world rulers, yeah. we ascribe those things to God, but we have to remember that God's sovereignty is always in harmony with who He is—His mm-hmm. holiness, His wisdom, His justice, His, His goodness, His truth, mm-hmm. His love, and grace and mercy. All that yes. are blended together. Uh, all those things are blended together with His sovereignty, with His rulership.
0: Well, in other words, over it, in, in other words, He can't contradict Himself. Right. He can't go against his own character to do something evil or vindictive or uh, brutal or unkind. And so a lot of times when the brutal, horrible, depraved things are going on in this world, we go back to, if God is so good, then why? But God, in his goodness, allowed us to make choices. And when we make messes out of our choices, that's when uh, God comes in to reveal the truth, the truth which sets us free. And Jesus Christ talked a lot about choices in revel- in, in, in his uh, discussions with the Pharisees and with 5 through, well, even 3, but 5 through 13, 15. He's talking about, you know, being chosen um, by God. If we, going back for a second to, if we reject God's plan for our life, you know, we think that we, well, actually, because there is a, another force, the devil, Who is offering you an option, another plan, a choice that looks immediately much more uh, appealing.
1: So within the overall rule of God, the kingdom of God, there is within this, there is a rebel kingdom that God is allowing, has allowed for a certain time period. It's a kingdom that is ruled by Satan. He's the prince of this world.
0: He's, He's operating prince, prince today. He's very active.
1: He's very active. Mm-hmm. He's operating within the whole parameter of God's kingdom. Now, there's a purpose in in allowing the enemy to work like that. You know, it's a it's a testing time. And it's it's basically
0: qualifying us to rule. It's really Jesus muscle Christ.
1: building. It, it's really training. All, the authority we have been given over serpents and scorpions, mm-hmm. Jesus said, and all right. over the power of the over all the power of the enemy. That is really preparing us. There's a guy named Paul Bilheimer that wrote years ago. He says, all this is preparing us to rule and reign with Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's exercise. It's just like a sports team. They exercise, they train before they get into the real game. They do weight training. They do all kinds of exercises, drills and stuff, preparing for the real game. The real game for us is not what happens to us here on earth or what we do here on earth. The real game. This is like one dressing friend of room. ours used <laughs> to say, "This is the dressing room for eternity. Yep. Mm-hmm. we're getting ready. the The big picture, the big game, is going to be when we rule and reign with Christ forever, uh, forever and ever.
0: yeah, it's, it's like this, it's like boot camp. It's like you know training, it's like practicing mm-hmm. uh, your, your drills is not intended to defeat us. this This battle, this war with Satan is actually technically already been one. And so we have to understand that we are looking at all this from a a dimension of time, and we've got beginning, middle, and end. And that's how we see it It, from the foundation of the world. It says in Ephesians, we were known and foreordained and called and, you know, it says in Romans, for whom God foreknew, which is everybody. He, He predestined to be what? To go to heaven? When he predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son, which ultimately means, if that's what's going on, you're you're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, you definitely will be in heaven. So everybody God knew, he everybody he created, everybody he knew, everybody he breathed into them the breath of life. Every human being, of course, we, we we're excluding the categories of animals and cattle and fowl and birds and fish from this discussion. We are uh, making the assumption. Not that they don't go to heaven, but that they don't have to make a choice to go to heaven. We, as human beings, made in the image of God, they were not made in the image of God. We were. And we were crafted by God's own hand. He took the clay of the earth and he formed and shaped Adam. And then he took the rib out of Adam to make Eve. That God was himself personally involved in hands-on in the creation of Adam and Eve. And he made them very clearly in his image Male and female, he created them. So both male and female represent the nature and character of God. May, they're reflecting different parts of his his being. But so he, he made them. He was actively involved in making them. He, and yet we know from other sources, but also that are you know it, also it's written in the Bible that there were other sources of creation origins where things were created. That came out of things that were used by God that had been created by God that were used by the enemy to create his own uh, race or his own following. We know that some of the angels fell with him, he took a third of them as the indication in revelations, but at the same time you know he 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 has seed in in, in Genesis chapter um, three right there in the place where God is putting down, laying down the law, so to speak, after the sin, he said, um, I will put enmity, war between your seeds, speaking to the serpent and the seed of the woman. And so we're saying, does the devil have seed? This is a question that we need to review when we go into the idea of predestination, because if this is true, that the devil has seed, the serpent has seed, and then he proceeded, the devil proceeded to um, build his his uh, offspring through uh, the, the fallen angels who went in Genesis chapter six, the sons of God who had fallen, went into the daughters of men and and they conceived and brought forth giants, uh, Nephilim, men of renown. These were giants. On, there were giants on the earth in those days. And afterwards also when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and bore them children, these were the mighty men of old men of renown. Some translations say giants or Nephilim. Now, the, the, the point is that the picture is bigger than most of us think. The, we have to expand our understanding of this picture. So if Satan has seed and if he's cre- generating seed, uh, then he did. The giants, they were in their DNA. They had half of their chromosomes were human and half of them were fallen angel, corrupted. So were these creatures, giants, men of renown, Nephilim, were they actually candidates for salvation? Were they savable, if you will? And it doesn't, you know, not that that doesn't, we know, belabor the point, but the point is not everybody possibly is savable in the first place. And even now today, there's uh, Jesus said in John 8, he said, you are of your father, the devil. He was talking to the Pharisees. That's a pretty, that's, I don't know if he was just, you know, saying something that wasn't accurate or are you saying something that's very accurate? Um, and then he, he said, uh, have I not chosen the 12 of you, referring to Judas, and one of you is a devil? So I, we can't just say, okay, we understand everything in our finite mind. It's just the way we were taught when we were little kids and there's no additional information. There's a lot of information out there that goes beyond, um, you know, our simple uh Indications of the gospel.
1: We have to go back to to the foreknowledge of God in Acts fifteen eighteen. It says, "Known to God from eternity, all His works." You know, you have to recognize that. Also, uh, Jesus uh, spoke to you know. He called his disciples right. He chose the twelve in Mark chapter three that he would be that they would verses thirteen through fifteen that they would that they would be with him and they
0: would come yeah.
1: would be sent forth to preach and to heal the sick and to cast out demons and all this so so we have to look that there there's a plan that God has mm-hmm. that's m- more than what we can understand it's it we can we see parts of it we have understanding of certain aspects of it but it's a plan bigger than what we can understand uh fully so
0: and Jesus said in John chapter 3, um, verse 20, he's talking about, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. Now, he referred to himself later in John 14 uh, as the light of the world. For everyone practicing evil, practicing evil, hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So he is, the person who's practicing evil is actually blinded by his deeds to not see the whole truth, the truth that he is being misled. And then it says in verse 21 But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been wrought or done in God. So he who does the truth, does the truth, loves the truth, wants the truth, seeks the truth, comes to the light, finds Jesus. He who is hungry for the truth. And where do we get that hunger for truth in the first place? We get it from being made in the image of God, who is truth. God is love, God is truth. God made us in his image to recognize truth, want truth, long for truth, and search for it. And that is, be- that is part of our divine nature. That's part of our disposition. That's part of our motivation to go through this world and find the truth. How many of us have, you know, we, we, we want meaning. We want purpose. We want more in our lives than just what we can accumulate down here in terms of material things. There's a longing for truth. That is an innate divine um, uh, that's placed there by God.
1: But uh, John 6:64, 6, 64, Jesus said, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. That's so right. this is knowledge from the beginning.
0: So he was entering into an arena, a war that was already set. The sides were already set. Jesus didn't come in and say, oh. Some of you don't like me. No, he already knew from the foundation of the world. He knew where he came from, his origin, his destiny, and uh, because he knew where he was from, and and so he was just stating a fact. He was just presenting something that maybe the uh, those who the uh, theologians of the day weren't able to quite understand. Jesus was calling a spade a spade. He was naming them, calling them out. And again, going back to the war, the one rule in the war between God and Satan is, is the same rule that whosoever will. Whosoever will believe, whosoever will come unto me, whosoever uh, will. Um, so, so whose report are you going to believe? It's all based on faith in who you're going to believe. This is how it's determined who God gets and who the devil gets. You determine it. You determine who, whether or not you think, well, God already knew ahead of time, you know, that I was going to reject him or accept him. That that's God was willing from the beginning, and He talks about our names being written in the in the Lamb's Book of Life, and then in other places, um, lest your name be blotted out of the Book of Life. So God was willing; all our names were in the Book of Life, I believe, to begin with. Or God would not be, you know, fair. But you have to be a human being to be written; you have to be created by God. You have to have God a God breathed soul. You have to have that human DNA that God gave to Adam and Eve to be eligible to be saved in the first place. That doesn't mean there aren't a lot of people out there that don't look that, that actually there are entities out there that look like people that are not people. They are a half human and have something else. They're entities that are not eligible for salvation, but whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, that rule in the war, it's up to your choice. What do you want to do? What do you believe? Who do you believe?
1: Well, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, mm-hmm. not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So his desire, there are people that, that are perishing and that will perish, but that's not the will of God. It's his desire. Yeah, you know, I it's, it's, it's like if you have a child... You're not willing that they go out in their car after they got their license for the first, you know, they've just gotten their car to drive 95 miles an hour on the freeway. You're not willing that they would do that, but they may do that at the same time. They may foolishly do that. So God God always, in, in a sense, he doesn't always get what he really desires.
0: For sure. Right now, he's not getting it. Ultimately, it will be. As he knew it would be in the beginnings because he had faith in his own plan.
1: Right, faith in his own plan. And, and it's in Second Thessalonians two thirteen, it says, "But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, beloved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation, through sanctification by the Spirit and belief." in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the uh, obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: And what is that gospel that we've been called to? It's been perverted, it's been counterfeited, and the major perversion of the gospel is that it's that our, our selection is based on good works and being good and getting to heaven by being good, but we already know, and why do you know and how do you know? If I'd ask you, how do you get to heaven by uh, your good works or by Jesus dying on the cross You would know already It's by Jesus dying, dying on the cross But tangled up almost all of us Was trying to be good And so the gospel that he's talking about Here in Second Thessalonians 13 Called by our gospel um, Is The gospel of grace and the gospel of good news Therefore the outcome Of our eternal destiny Is not determined By the list the accomplishments, the weight of our good works. It's accomplished by our acceptance of Jesus Christ, by coming to the light, by surrendering to the light, by by acknowledging um, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's that's a word that God does not lie. If if God says whosoever, whosoever. shall call who yeah. that means anybody who's who's so inclined to call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, um and he says here, and that's in chapter Romans chapter 10, verse 13, For whosoever, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've called upon the name of the Lord, whether you recognize it or not, you are saved. God is calling us um, to call upon him. He's teaching us, training us, drawing us, wooing us. And he says there's no distinction between the Jew or the Greek. This, but this, for the same Lord over all is rich to all is who call is rich to all who call upon him. Jesus also said, "I have other flocks. I have Jew flocks. I have Gentile flocks. I have other flocks that are not of this fold." He was talking to the Jews at that time.
1: Well, he said, you know, and it's so simple, and it, we we get things really complicated many times. Satan
0: complicates them.
1: Satan complicates. them. He's the one who asks
0: these questions. Yeah,
1: you know, and it's just like you know. Um, Romans ten eight the last part of it, it says the word is near you mm-hmm. in your mouth and in your heart now how how, how really, close is that how close is that yeah. I mean how it, it's, that is the word of faith which we preach so there's the word of faith we mentioned Margie about the gospel he's the Thessalonian church were told was told by Paul mm-hmm. that you were called by the gospel. Mm-hmm. So so that was the word of faith mm-hmm. they brought. And they said, the, if you confess with your mouth mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the qualification. Well,
0: here's the deal. Confessing well, you with said, your
1: mouth, believing in your heart. Yeah.
0: And you said, where is that faith? You said, um, it says here, um, the word is near you even in your mouth and in your heart, right. it's right inside. What word is that? The word of truth, the word, the, the un- faith is already there. But what happens, I believe, is um, it came from God. The, the f- impartation of the desire for the eternal uh, destiny of being with God forever in heaven, that faith, that desire, that ability to believe was already imparted to us. And with confession, that faith is activated. It, it, it the faith that was already in us is active just like you have a seed and it's activated when you put it in the ground and dump water on it, it begins to grow uh, or even just putting it in the soil and the moisture of the soil will cause it to grow. So it, th- there's life already in that seed, but the seed and it carries that life. It carries the life of the plant right there in the seed, but it has to be. And so the confession of our mouth is, I believe, what, what activates it because Why? Because it goes back to the rule, whose report are you going to believe? what is the confession you're going to make in your in your in, when God presents to you his his plan for your life, salvation, eternal life, and Satan presents an option whose report are you going to believe? whose confession? who are you going to agree with
1: well it, it, there's the, the faith is in the heart it's not just something superficial it's in the very inner core of our being, and I believe Marjorie when the Gospel, if the Gospel the true Gospel, the right Gospel, the only Gospel the
0: one of Jesus is yeah, presented,
1: the Gospel of Jesus Christ is presented clearly from one person to another there's something that will resonate in the heart of that person
0: absolutely no
1: matter where they are, no matter how hardened they are now Jesus taught said there's you know there's the seed, the seed is the Word of God there's different responses mm-hmm. to the Gospel that's shown. He said, "Sometimes the enemies, like the birds, they it's like hard ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, the can't The birds of the air come and scoop it up. Sometimes the seed gets among thorns, mm-hmm. and the, the thorns and weed, cares, mm-hmm. riches, and pleasures of life choke out the seed. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so it's not fruitful. It and, does it? and
1: some of them, you know, the, some of the seeds springs up mm-hmm. just quickly, but there's no depth. There's no there's no training. There's no learning. The
0: discipleship. And, and, yeah. And they,
1: they wither. But then there's the good ground." Where the heart, you know, receives the word, Mm -hmm. they receive the seed, and they bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold.
0: Right. And they are, you know, 30, 60, or 100, it's all still the same, from the same seed. You know, another thing he says in Romans, um, he says, all those, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And so this becomes another issue. Um, The goodness of God also becomes, uh, are we predestined to be destroyed, ashamed, crumpled? Um, you know, live a feudal life. It says, will not be put to shame. That, that spirit of shame and I am bad. That's what shame says. It's a spirit that says I am bad because I am guilty and guilt says I'm bad because I did something bad. So Satan is trying to make it all about your performance, your doing uh, your good deeds. And God says, that is not even a consideration. The consideration is what have you done with the son? And, and when you come to the son, the son takes care of your sin. He has to take care of our sin we can 't take care of our sin by doing rituals and good deeds and religious acts it, and we even doing good deeds outside of uh, being abiding in the vine of Jesus Christ are futile and pointless so it's like there's, there's one way Jesus says, I am the way there's one way to God and that's Jesus Christ there's not many there can be many places you start from, but there's only one way and this is god's way of of, of bringing us past, getting us past the devil's claim on our life. Because all this, too, is God has predestined us to be part of his kingdom. Satan is truly trying to siphon us off to become part of destruction and to steal from God that which is closest to God's heart, which would be his children.
1: Well, here, here's the deal. This, this, this is the, the greatest statement ever of the character and the heart and the love of God. In that he, what? So loved the world that he mm-hmm. gave his only begotten son.
0: This is the heart and truth of God. This goodness. is the
1: heart. Yeah. He created in, in his likeness an image. And even though that likeness and image has been marred by sin and the lies of the enemy, he's here reaching out and to us. And, and And he went to the cross. He bled and died, gave his life fully so we could be saved, so we could be free. He rose again. And then what did he do? He sent the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to his disciples. And cool. what did he say to them? Go into all the world and declare this gospel.
0: That's good news.
1: Yeah. And and just bring in everybody that you can. He, he does the parable of the great supper. Remember? He said, you know, there were people invited. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, they didn't get to be part of the supper because they refused to come. Mm-hmm. Well, then he said, well... Then go somewhere else. Sure. Go to the streets and lanes yeah. of the city. Uh-huh. Find somebody else. And if they don't want to come, find somebody who will come. And and they brought those in. He said, "Well, Lord, we've 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 gone to them. We've brought them in. Yeah. And uh, there's still room. Mm-hmm. There's still room.
0: Whosoever will.
1: And and he said, go to the highways and hedges. Go to the out of the way places to the out of the way people and compel them to come in doesn't mean grab them by the scruff of the neck and drag them in. He says, compel them, mm-hmm. compel them with your love, compel them with my word, compel them with, mm-hmm. you know, your, 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 the heart that you have, uh, to, to reach them. And, and, you know, the commendation, uh, Romans chapter five, verse eight, for when we were still, uh, but God, verse eight, <laughs> but God demonstrates His own love toward us. Now while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, mm-hmm. much more than having now been justified. In other words, justified by His blood, His blood shed on the cross brought us into the place of justification when we believe we're justified by faith, We're put into a right standing with God mm-hmm. uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and that we can we can be saved from wrath through him,
0: right? Because and the problem is that we do not understand the demands of sin. We don't understand the the parameters of this. The horror the, of the sin fall. actually. Actually, the first fall was the fall of Satan. Satan fell, and in his fall, he corrupted mankind, and they fell because he didn't want to be alone in his uh, judgment, in his you know his eternal. Um, destiny. He wanted there to be, you know, uh, he wanted to take us down, take us out because he knew how we were loved by God. And so, but, but see, Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood. And people say, well, that, why, why did he have to do that? Why, why the blood, why this big ordeal, why this sacrifice? It's so bloody. It's so gory. It's so cruel of God, the father to send his son, let his son be killed. Jesus laid down his life willingly. We know that. But the point is you don 't understand this whole deal you don 't understand it. You think it can all be fixed with a basket of fruit. you think it can all be fixed with, fixed with the promise of okay i 'll be good now and that 's not what it is because the 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 problem was twofold: The problem was that the world had been taken over by Satan, that the God of this world runs the world, and all the people were trapped in that that world and citizens of that world and the second thing is Satan also through the sin at, at the garden downloaded his body of death operating software into Adam and Eve to make them operate out of their soul, to be programmed by the experiences of their pit, and to become alienated from God because of what they saw by judging their lives by how they felt, by judging their lives by what they did or what other people said. So they became uh, judges of their own life and confused about the whole point because the point is not uh, how you know, your, your behavior is in response to faith and out of that confidence in love and faith in God comes a behavior that's pleasing to God and before we come to God there's no way you can be good uh, and goodness doesn't cut it anyway because the, the life of the flesh is in the blood when the, when the soul that sins die the only way to get death taken care of was to, a death for a death that's the universal code of justice an eye for an eye tooth for a tooth just death death for death life for life and so God had to give life, and it had to be a life that qualified to die. And all of us didn't qualify anymore because we were already enslaved by Satan. And so because we were enslaved, we were not able or qualified to die for ourselves. Well, we could die for ourselves, but it wouldn't do any good. And we, could, we couldn't die for the human race. It had to be someone who was both human, came out of the human race, part of the human race, qualified to, to act on behalf of the human race, but also someone who was innocent, totally pure. Otherwise, Satan would say, I have something in you. And when Jesus went to the cross, Satan says, I, Jesus says, I, he is, Satan has nothing on me or in me. There was no sin, no crime, no case Satan could build in the court of heaven against Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, because he was holy and he was holy and completely dedicated to what had to be done. And what had to be done was someone gave their life. Now, we know in our own natural world that many times people go to war to lay down their lives for others. And we think that's awesome. We think that's great. You know, they give their life for the innocent. They, they have the firemen go in and, and risk, you know, risk their life to rescue someone. The, and, and sometimes they die. Uh, it, Jesus did that. And, we, and we, for when people do that, we think that's awesome. That's great. That's a real demonstration of love. But when God does it, we say, oh, well, that was kind of foolish and over-exaggerated and eccentric. Not really. It was absolutely what had to be done. And because our basis of salvation is in the laying down of Jesus' life his blood becomes the basis is uh, the basis of our qualification for you heaven know, we, and our believing in it.
1: Right, we cannot fix ourselves. When Adam sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, they tried to fix themselves by covering up with fig leaves.
0: They covered their shame uh, you with know, fig C-Cain
1: leaves. Cain offered uh and they his works, his works, his yep. the fruit of his labors. You know, and and we've been doing this all, and this is what just mere religion does. It's it's an attempt to somehow fix ourselves, to make ourselves somehow, make ourselves somehow Mm -hmm. acceptable to whoever our concept is of God. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's like someone... But we're that, never
0: sure that we did it right. That's you know? right. There's it's no, as
1: simple as this. A, a person that can't swim, no they, get, they get dropped off in the ocean. They slip off a, a cruise ship, handed on someone to rescue them. And that's the way the human race is, is that we... Jesus came on a rescue mission to rescue us. And, not, and rescue us and tend to restore us mm-hmm. into... Uh, that we would follow him that we would come back into the likeness and image in which he created us.
0: Yes, and Jesus said this himself in his own words. He said in John chapters uh, 637 and following, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will in no wise cast out. I have For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So there's his statement that he was totally in agreement with, with being sent to do this rescue operation. This is the will of the father who sent me that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. This is their, this is their plan. This is their, uh, modus operandi. This is what they're doing. And in this is the will of God of him who sent me that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Now this is for this dispensation. All those who see the son, uh, believe in the son, except his substitutionary death for our death. Those are the ones that are going to be raised up in the last day. Now, in the Old Testament, Abraham believed God. And in believing God, the promises of God, that was accounted to him for righteousness. That's how he was righteous. He wasn't righteous because he kept the Ten Commandments, because he didn't have the Ten Commandments. They came 400 years later. So it's always been about faith. The Ten Commandments, you know, being uh, obedient to the Ten Commandments, came as a temporary uh, placeholder, if you will, until Jesus could get here. It was a way to protect and identify the people of God when Satan was constantly accusing them because they were still in their obedience because of their obedience to the law God had given them. They were still qualified for God's protection and Satan could not get at them unless he could, of course, seduce them out from under this protective covering of God's law and then get them to go and intermarry or get them to go and worship idols. And then, of course, in that act of obedience and that deception and that treachery, that temptation that they fell for, then they were victims or uh, targets of Satan's hatred and retribution against God.
1: All through human history, we see God choosing individuals, men and women, through which he could work out his purpose. You you think of it this way. Uh, say I decide, say you and I, Marjorie, decide to build a house, okay? <laughs> build a new house. So we decide, what do we do? We make a decision, okay, we're going to build this house. And we look at all the different floor plans. We choose a floor plan. We choose a general contractor. We choose the, the fixtures, the woodwork, the carpeting, the, uh, the ceramic tile, We choose the builder, we choose the, and and he chooses maybe the subcontractor, or we have a voice in choosing the subcontractor. So it's all that about choosing, we're making decisions because we've got a good plan to build this house, and and it involves a lot of choices on our part. You think of God, you know, his overall plan is, it's an, it's, it's, we can't grasp it. No. It's an overall eternal plan. Mm-hmm. He's given us a few peeks at it mm-hmm. through his word. But there's a plan of, of redemption, uh, a plan for all eternity. You know, I, I really, I don't, I, I, I'm sure that when we go to be with the Lord, when we, we get into eternity and everything is unfolding there, we're not going to be just sitting around on a cloud playing little harps in, in, Being in bored a, a little white nightgown. You know, there is something. What kind of enterprise uh-huh. do you suppose God has for us? We're we're just stretching out here a little bit. Uh, you think of the universes mm-hmm. that we we cannot find the end of just all the universes, mm-hmm. even the things just within our own. Solar system, our own galaxy, and there are innumerable galaxies. Mm -hmm. So if that's just you know the the first creation, and then God says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, this first heaven is going to go away. What kind of great eternal enterprise (laughs) are we going to be a part of someday? We, you know. Like the song says, we can only imagine.
0: Well, you know, in John chapter, this is a a serious discussion Jesus is having in in those chapters I mentioned earlier in John. And 6, 44, he says, come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So he's talking about being drawn by the Father, and then he says, it is written in the prophet's, and they shall all be taught by God. And the rest of that verse goes, and great will be the peace of them. Your children will all be taught by the Lord, and great will be the peace of them. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Everyone who's heard this message, heard this invitation, that's why Jesus said go out and spread the word, get the invitations out there. Everyone who heard um, comes to me. He says, so... um, everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. So Jesus is saying, I am the contact point. Come to me. Um, and he's, then he goes on to say in John 66, 65, he says, um, therefore, and he said, therefore I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the father. Now, what does it say about the father that he has called all he says, uh, for all he, that he, for, uh, Romans chapter eight, verse thirty 20, uh, let's see, 38, 39. Um, for whom he foreknew, God predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, who did God foreknew, foreknow? Everybody he created. Now, we're not, you know, including in that satan- satanic creations, satanic seed, the tares, the wheat, the reptilians, whatever else, the Nephilim, the giants. The demons We're not including all those entities. God did not create demons. Demons came out of the um, crossbreeding of the humans with the angels, which caused their souls, like I said before, to have this mixed DNA. And when those giants died, their souls wander the earth because they couldn't go anywhere because they couldn't be claimed by heaven or hell. So they were forced to stay on the earth. And when they're forced to stay, they were the ones then who brought pain and, and uh, disgruntled and troubled the humans because they wanted their bodies. Uh, Satan wanted our world. He messed with Eve and Adam. And, and demons want our bodies so they can have a body back, so they can get their needs met. And so a lot of Christians, believe it or not, are being oppressed, uh, possessed, or controlled by. Possessed means to own, operate, or control. They're being controlled in their inner man by this body of death, which is God's second problem. His first problem was we were born into in in de- in the enemy territory, and God knew that. And when God sent us down here, when God dispatched us, when He allowed us to be conceived at that moment in time, when it was our turn to go, He sent us into the time corridor, the time corridor, and and in that time corridor, we we end up landing on the earth in some particular family uh, or lack of family, but we're brought forth by two human beings, and in that we're, we land into the snake pit, and in that snake pit, Satan begins to develop his second. Uh, front against God, which is to internalize this system of death in us through our souls. And he continues to use that system of death as long as he can, as he continues to get people, persuade people, train people, use people and use other people to reinforce the using of our minds, our wills and our emotions to follow God instead of walking in the spirit. The Bible Galatians says, walk in the spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, is that confusion those errors that we believe to be true because we experience them so when when jesus is saying they're going to come to me and are uh, they're going to be taught by god and god back in romans again says whom he foreknew so everybody god foreknew he predetermined predestined to be conformed to what the image of his dear son yes. and then it goes on to say whom he those he called to be conformed to the image of his dear son uh, moreover whom he predestined, these he also called. So he, he knows them. He knows them all, all of them that he made. He didn't say no to any of them. And he pre- predestined all of them to be conformed to the image of his son. He called all of them for whom he called. Point in the transition in the, in the uh, of, of the words. We see there's something different. He's doing all the work until it comes to the point of calling. At the point of calling, we are now needing to respond to the call. Yes. Um and so at this point, it's whosoever will. So they're both true. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God calls everybody, but not everybody answers the call. Some people re- refuse the call. Some people refuse the invitation to the wedding. They turn it down. They're busy. They bought a cow. They bought a house. They bought a wife. And they can't. Bought a wife, yeah. They, can't, they don't have time. They, they opt out of the invitation, or they get too busy, distracted in their lives, or they get too overwhelmed, uh, and they lose heart, and they, they lose The sense of destiny. So whom he called, then once they're answering the call, for those who answer the call, he was able to justify, and those he justified, he's actually going to glorify, and that's when we're going to become involved in the great enterprises of heaven.
1: Well, it's talking about the great enterprises of of the kingdom of God, and in Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, verses 4 and 5, he says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. It goes back to what you were saying earlier, Marjorie. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. So there's, there's a, a, a call. Declaration, yeah. There's a call. There's a declaration. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said in John 15, um,
0: yep, 16, 16, he said,
1: you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain as whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now, back to this illustration. Wait, though. just
0: a second. On the John yeah. fifteen sixteen. you did not choose me, but I chose you and anointed you. that you. Appointed should, you. Appointed you yes. and, yeah. I think it says anointed in some places, too. Could be. That you should go and bring forth fruit. Now, it's interesting. Um, he says... You did not choose me, but I chose you. But on the other hand, it's also true that we need to um, choose him. You know, we choose him; he chooses us. We're we're mutual in this thing. Uh, will you marry me? Yes, I will marry you. So I choose to marry you. I choose to say yes. He gives the invitation; we give the response. Without that, there's no relationship. There's no agreement. There's no covenant. There's no going forward.
1: Let me give you an illustration that was shared with us many years ago in Matthew 22:14, and there's other places where Jesus said. Many are called, but few are chosen. Uh, There was a gentleman that shared this with us years ago that he had applied for a job, okay? I think it was with the post office, Mm -hmm. and uh, they called him and said, you know what, Um, we'd like to hire you. You've been chosen for this position. Uh, But uh, he decided that there was another job in the meantime, he had decided that there was another job that he was going to take, so he refused the call from the post office. call was to come and work for us. So he was not chosen by the post office because he refused the call.
0: Right, exactly. Now, whose fault was that?
1: It's it, not It's not a matter of fault.
0: Well, that's what we try to make this thing of blaming God. See, Satan asked the question, if God is so good, then why? Why does he let Satan exist? Why did he let this office, happen? Right. Why is God, you know, choosing some? Why are some going to hell? Why, 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 why? And so Satan is the one that asks that question in your heart. If you really know, and God built you to know, that he is good, He is fair, he's just, he's righteous. But as with any human father in your own family, I don't know if you had a good father or a bad father, but ideally, even good fathers, parents, are put in positions from time to time where they have to do something that doesn't look very nice. I mean, they have to discipline, they have to uh, speak words that the child doesn't want to hear. God is often put in these positions as well, because of the rebellion, because of the confusion, because he's training up his children in righteousness, because we are. And then we have to understand, on the other hand, also, that the, one, that the war here puts God in a difficult position, because God is the one who made us. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And Satan is the one challenging God's workmanship in us. And so Satan is constantly going after us to prove that God's workmanship in us is faulty, that God is not good, getting us to believe that, that God isn't going to be able to pull this off, take care of us, and that we're on our own and we're abandoned. And then he comes, Satan comes in swoops in with his fine uh, false benefactor friendships to entice us to follow him. So this is a very treacherous war. Um, and even in John, we see how treacherous it is. He says and Jesus is talking in John chapter five, verse thirty-nine through forty-seven. He says, um, He says, "You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But they are, but these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life." Um, he, he says, "You're even looking in the right place. You're searching the scriptures." And you think that in searching them, the doing go through the, 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 the work, the research, the reading, for you think you have eternal life, but the scriptures cannot save you. But, but who, what do the scriptures say? They're testifying to the one who can, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. They wanted to save themselves. They wanted to save themselves by understanding perfectly the concept of salvation and then applying it to themselves without the interference of surrendering to God. So, um, so his, there was there was this, there's always been this religious intersection uh, uh, intrusion into the relationship, and these men, the Pharisees, were searching the, the scriptures daily, wanting to know. But they wanted knowledge; they didn't want relationship. And you know, out of relationship comes not knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. But first, it comes out of the relationship. It comes out of the surrender. It comes out of um, um, he says in verse 42, I, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. You know, I've come in my father's name and you do not receive me. That was his proof. They were not of God because, you know, they were receiving other people. If anybody else comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from another from men, but do not seek the honor that comes only from God? Their motives, their hearts were in the wrong place. Totally. And he was showing them that, you know, they said there's a lot of them that are going to say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done this and that in your name, cast out devils, and um, he's going to say, I don't know you. So there's really an interesting problem going on here. We can actually go through the motions, go through the words, have the, the look and not have the life. It's kind of a interesting um, dilemma. And but God knows the truth. Um, he knows. That in, in uh, John 5:28 28, he's, he says, here's the, here's the proof what's going to happen. He says, do not marvel at this, for in, in the hour, um, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. All who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So you see right here, there's going to be a sorting out. They're all going to hear, we're all going to hear his voice. And we're all going to come forth, and there's going to be a sorting, some to resurrection of life and some to condemnation. So this is going to be the sorting time when God, you know, your works aren't going to be able to cut it for you, but your relationship with God will, will protect you.
1: In the meantime, the invitation is being given. You know, we're all familiar with invitations, invitation to a graduation party or a wedding or some other anniversary or some other event. So we have the the invitation comes to us. Those that are inviting us have been faithful to send us the invitation. And it's up to us to make the choice. Mm-hmm. They want us to be there. Otherwise, they wouldn't send us the invitation. Yeah, right. right? So, but we have the choice whether you know to make an excuse or uh, or just you know flat out not to come. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 11:28, "Come to me." All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So this is the this is the the invitation. The whole thing is to uh, to go out and present the invitation. We call it, you know, they call it the invitation of the gospel, the good news. Come to Jesus. Uh, come to me. Uh, he that he that comes to me, he mm-hmm. says, all the Father uh, has given me shall come to me. And he who comes to me. I will in no wise cast out those who come to him in, in faith and in repentance. Never really as, as, as the Lord cast anybody away, he that comes to me, I will not, I will not reject you. I will not cast you out. He who comes in faith, the door is open. The hand, his hand is extended. His heart is there to, to uh, welcome you. And uh, this is, the the great invitation that comes also really at the end, at the at the very end of the scriptures, uh, the last uh, well not quite the end but Revelation twenty two seventeen. And the Spirit and the Bride say, "Come," and let him who hears say, "Come," mm-hmm. and let him who thirsts come. Whosoever, or whoever desires let him take the water of life freely so it's an it's an open invitation and we have this awesome power we do have choice within the sovereignty of god to uh receive uh, you know to to accept or reject the invitation Uh, just years ago i want to share this marjorie as we come to a conclusion here pretty quick um there was a, a cartoon I saw many years ago. There's a guy standing. He's looking up. There's a big like archway over this. It's like a gate, but an open gate. But there's an archway above it, and written on the archway on his side of the gate, he says, "Whosoever will may come." So he thinks, "Wow, this is good." So he walks through the gate, mm-hmm. and then he turns When he's through the gate, he turns around and looks at the other side of the archway where it is written you have been chosen since before the foundation of the world
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's good. one it's one of those things
0: we it's really one of perspective your perspective yes. your perspective from, yes. you know looking at it going in looking at it when you're you know in and and from God's perspective, we've been chosen from the foundation of the world. Our perspective is, what's going on? You know, what, what, How do I find my way out of this place? What's the truth? And, of course, we've got this, the meddling of Satan who's trying to discourage and discredit God. And so a lot of times when we have these, these sticky little questions like predestination, um, you know, if God knew, foreknew from the foundation of the world, didn't he already set it up so that, you know, then that means if God already knew, who he was going to save and then some people were going to be created that weren't going to be saved. And God was making people to die that were not uh, going to go to hell. He knew ahead of time. And so this is a kind of tangled up theological depravity doctrine that Satan sets forth in the earth to bring confusion about the true intentions and motives of God, the father and the son, which are to love and, and, and relate to us and then gather us back home.
1: You cannot say there's no hope for me. Be saved. I've gone too far. You know, you can't say that.
0: Because, no, because if you said that, you already you already are included in those who God has called. Right. Because you want to be saved. I, I don't know if everybody, even in the last days in the book of Revelation, when there's that huge dividing line the godly will get more godly, the ungodly get more ungodly. I, I don't know if there's a point that comes or is already present where they are not even interested in salvation at all. They're just... They're just there is a line that can be crossed. And, and they may. And and, they, and this, they, there's that group that are going to take the mark of the beast. They're going to lose their options. They're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Yes. And, and they're, they're going to be careless because they're going to take this mark under the influence of their society, peer pressure, uh, whatever out there is generating our, its desire to drive us away from God, And so there, you know, people will lose their uh, abilities to want to be saved. But at this point, if you have a desire to know the truth, that is an indication that you are of savable material. You're qualified to be saved.
1: Let's pray right now. Lord, for those that are listening that know you, may they rejoice in the fact that you've chosen them. You've called them for a great purpose. And Lord, for those that are listening that may not know you as Lord and Savior, may they call upon you. You are calling them. And you said, whosoever shall call upon you shall be saved. May they say yes to your call to follow you. And Lord, may we give this wonderful invitation to everyone we can. May we present this true gospel, the love of Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, the hope, the only hope, the rescue mission of Jesus. He came to rescue us. And may we join in that rescue mission to, er, to rescue everyone we can while we can. Help us with this, Lord. Yes, we Lord Jesus, Father. And, and we also
0: bind Jesus. the spirit of confusion and skepticism yes. and religion and the arguments of Satan that would stop us or hinder us from making that simple choice to activate that seed of faith that's already been imparted into us in, near you, in your mouth, in your heart, that that confession, uh, which Satan so struggles to keep us from making, that verbalization, that ag- affirmation, that acknowledging that Jesus Christ is our Lord, is our Savior, is the only way, that those wars, those, those battles would be won uh, in favor of salvation in favor of deliverance in favor of healing yes. and that the demons who are standing against these ones would now be put down immediately by the in sword of jesus god's word name. and these people will be set free because they they are born to be free created by god to be free so father we ask for freedom to go forward through these words now in jesus name amen so god bless you thank you for joining us check us out at liferecovery.com rescue radio you'll find it there in the archives uh, also, we are a true light church, mn.org. If you are looking for a church, state in Minnesota, if you live nearby, uh, come join us on Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. We have a lot of fun. We don't look at all like most churches, but that's a good thing. God bless you. I have an emergency. What is your location?
1: a war for your soul.